I've owned a lot of things over the years, and most of them were just things. But there's some I'm glad I had in my possession, and there are some, well, I'm kind of embarrassed that I had them in my possession. And I'm talking about you, Leisure Suit, okay? Just thankfully you left my house in a garage sale. <laughs> but there's one thing I possess that I am not letting go of, and it's still in style, and that's my faith. Well, welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. Chris, we're launching into a new study, aren't we? We are, but I'm so sorry. I can't get that image of you in a green, evergreen leisure soup out of my head. I'm sorry. I think mine was bright blue, and my dad had a matching one. We look like a Southern gospel group, just the two of us, I tell you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, we're a uh, couple weeks. This is our first week in a new study um, where we're talking about faith, where we're talking about owning a faith that matters, which is what you referred to. So I'm looking forward to this study. We have um, with us on the podcast today, Matt Tullis. Matt is the writer of the Personal Study Guide content. Great to have you with us, Matt. It's great to be here. And I thought this was a vodcast because I actually wore my leisure suit. (laughs) It has a banana silk uh, shirt with it. And it's uh, the Alabama checkers red. And everybody under a certain age listening to this podcast is right now Googling leisure suits. There you go. That's right. Wow. Chris, I, I, since we've gone down this road, please tell Matt and I you had a leisure suit, too. I had a leisure suit, too. Gosh, those were the days. It was the green one. It was the... <laughs> <laughs> Well, this podcast, we are not talking about leisure suits, something that matters more, which is faith. Uh, We're going to be in the uh, Gospel of Luke for uh, several weeks now as we uh, look at this idea of what we can learn about faith when we look at Jesus and what he taught and his interaction with his disciples. And we're bringing Matt into this conversation because Matt wrote the content that is in the personal study guide. Now, Matt, in addition to being such a good writer for us, Tell our audience what else you do in your spare time. (laughs) Well, uh, in my spare time, uh, I write. I I love to write. I want to be Lynn Pryor when I grow up. Uh, But uh, basically, I I work for the uh, Tennessee Baptist Mission Board as their resource specialist, which means I promote uh, cooperative program, our state missions offering, and all things generosity. Well, let's jump into, we're going to be in Luke chapter five for our uh, Bible study today. We're looking at this idea again about faith, but the starting point for faith we need to begin is this. Faith begins with a call to follow Jesus. So before we jump into Luke five, where Jesus is teaching there at the crowd, Matt, is there anything we need to know that leads up to Luke chapter five? Yeah, I tell you, Jesus did it all in chapter four. There was a lot going on. Uh, First of all, you have the temptation in the wilderness that he experienced. Uh, Jesus goes to his hometown uh, and he is rejected, of course, because nobody uh, gets a fair hearing from their brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins. Uh, Then there was a healing experience. Uh, He healed a mother-in-law 
Uh, it doesn't say whether Simon enjoyed that or not, but I, I would imagine so. And then uh, he went into preaching. And that, that brings us up to that time uh, when, when he gives us the basic words about what it means to, to connect with God and to live the kingdom out in our words. Here's what Luke wrote. As the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Genesaret. He saw two boats on the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. Now, the reason why we're starting here, it does set the context for everything we're going to hear. But there's the idea that, that for faith in life, it all begins. We got to hear God's word. And we have a picture here of Simon. He's sitting in the boat. Of course, Jesus is not just teaching Simon, but Simon's working and he's hearing the teaching. And this is where his faith walk begins. So I love this image of uh, Jesus on the seashore, surrounded by people that are pressing in. Um, he, he, and then uh, Jesus does something that is um, I, that he does in our lives. He says, "Hey, I need I need your boat. <laughs> <laughs> I need I need." Uh, I, uh, can I can I borrow your boat? That's a great line. And the amazing thing to me about it is that he he didn't need the boat. Uh, as we know, he can walk on water. He could have just stood out there. He didn't need to use Peter. He didn't need, need to use his boat. But it's amazing how Jesus is constantly drawing us into his work. He wants to use people. And so no matter what it is, whether it's our uh, our, our little Chevy Corvette or w whatever it is, he wants to use it. And that's the exciting thing about Jesus. He invites us to join him on this glorious, miraculous, unbelievable journey of discipleship. One of the things that catches my attention with this passage, and when I look at Matthew and, and Mark as well, the whole Gospels, this was probably not Simon Peter's first encounter with Jesus. Uh, in fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I preached on the passage of Matthew 4, that it's kind of the parallel here, where Jesus came up to Peter and Andrew and said, come follow me, and they get out of their boat and they follow. And by just that context, you kind of get this picture, this strange man walks up to these two fishermen and says, follow me. And it's like they blindly, well, okay, I'll follow you. And they get out of their boat and they go. But the, what you see when you put all the Gospels together, is there were other encounters before Jesus issued that call. And what we're seeing here in Luke 5 is one of those where there's this teaching, this, uh, this encounter with Jesus to hear him teaching. And we also know that Peter's brother, Andrew, who was in the boat when Jesus said, follow me, he also had followed John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had introduced him to Jesus, uh, introduced Jesus to Andrew. So there was some some little connections along the way uh, where they just, I'm going to, I'm going to say it almost seems like serendipitously Peter just had these encounters with Jesus. And it's really interesting to note that this is a part of the Jewish tradition for rabbis is Jesus wasn't the first person to uh, ask Jewish guys to follow him. Uh, this is something rabbis did. In fact, uh, I, I heard one, uh, Rabbi say that, you know, you still have this tradition, but uh, a few years ago, uh, 
ran into a rabbi who actually uh, walked into the bathroom with him because he was following his rabbi. Uh, so that was a part of it, not just uh, follow me in some sort of esoteric way, but it was really a connect, a movement, a kinetic connection that they had, that they are going to follow the rabbi, that they are going to uh, mimic him. They're, they're going to question, they're going to learn, but they, but they really are going to follow. Because that's what I understand, this idea that when you followed someone in that context of the rabbi, you did exactly, you, you wanted to learn not just learn from him, but you wanted to become like him. Like a student wants to know what a teacher knows. A disciple wants to, wants to be what the rabbi is. Right. He wasn't inviting him to a classroom to sit around in a circle to learn some knowledge. We Baptists love, in fact, uh, we, we kind of believe that God created our bodies so we could carry our brains around. And uh, that's not exactly what <laughs> discipleship is. It's kinetic. It's moving. But there is what's happening here is uh, the, the call hasn't happened. But Peter, Simon Peter, is being exposed. And this little uh, some, some faith perhaps is starting to dwell, uh, rise up in Peter. It's beginning as he's sitting there uh, washing his nets, but he's hearing the teaching of Jesus. Right. So I love the fact that we're talking about uh, the, this, these the aspects and dynamics of uh, discipleship and following Jesus and how it was that day. But Matt, I really appreciated what you did when um, you made it personal for us as, as we look at this uh, study together. How are you going to respond when Jesus comes to you and says, can I borrow your boat? Hey, I need your stuff. I need you uh, to join me. Um, so that whole that whole aspect of this is so important that we we realize that Jesus still does the same things today, and He right. comes to us with these kind of questions. Exactly. It's it goes back to lordship. It's just saying I'm going to surrender everything, and I am I'm just going to I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you. Uh, wherever you go, wh whatever you tell me to do, uh, I'll be glad to do it. Uh, it reminds me of the wedding feast in Cana, uh, whenever uh, Jesus was there and uh, his mother said, you know, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. Those servants were, were there and he became the one who was going to be the master of ceremonies in, the, in this case. He was going to direct uh, the miraculous. And uh, his mother realized that she didn't speak to Jesus. She spoke to the servants. And uh, Jesus' mother said, you know, whatever this man over here, my son says to do, you just do it. And uh, I, I think that's the success of Simon Peter is that he was just willing to lay out everything that, and, and you think about the, these fishermen, you know, this is their industry. This is how they make money. This is their craft. And yet he was willing to stop what he was doing, and he was willing to do whatever Jesus told him to do. And that's what we're going to see uh, to even to a greater degree as we keep reading, because up to this point, all Jesus asked for is essentially, hey, can I use your boat to teach from? Well, Simon Peter, they're washing nets. Sure, he's not, he's not in a sense, using the boat at that point. But now that, that, that call from Jesus is going to be even greater. In verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, 
Put out in deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. You can't help but love what transpires between Jesus and Peter here. You know, Peter, the fisherman, the expert, we've been fishing all night, caught nothing. What do you mean? Put out our nets. Don't you know that you only fish at night? There are no fish to be caught. And yet, whatever you ask me, I'll do it. Yeah, and it's amazing. He really shows the resources here. And you see this throughout the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. You see it pressed in, shaken down, uh, you know, as well as uh, in, in Malachi when he says, uh, prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I do not pour out the wind uh, from heaven, the open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, there won't be room enough to receive it. Uh, we're seeing in a story uh, what we really read in the Old Testament in this case, that God has this incredible resource far bigger than any net that we could ever have. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We can trust him with everything, not just our finances, but I think we can trust him with every silo and bucket of our lives. And it's going to be so much bigger and so much greater. And uh, I love the, the fact that these stories are here also because it reminds me the futility of us trying to do anything eternal without Jesus. Uh, you know, they, they toiled all night. And I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but I have toiled in the boat of pastoring and of uh, doing ministry uh, for weekends on edge. And then nothing comes of it, but God gets in the middle of it and I allow him to take over. And man, we just stand around saying what they said after Jesus uh, healed the paralytic man. Uh, we've never seen anything like this before, you know, uh, God did it. There's, there's no other way for us to understand how this alcoholic who's been in our midst for 20 years in this church. And we picked him up from O'Charlie's because he's, you know, he's sloshed. And now all of a sudden he just makes a 180 turn and he's, he's, he's hope he's, he's better. He's how, how does, how does this happen? Well, God did it. That's all we can say. And that's exactly what the fisherman must've said whenever they started trying uh, to deal with the excess that Jesus has. He's, he's an extravagant giver. And what we see here is a perfect example and definition of faith, that we act, we, we trust God, we obey him, even when it doesn't make sense. Because Simon Peter is just given the reason it doesn't make sense. Hey, we're professionals. We've been doing this all night. This is not a good time to catch fish. But if you say so, there is the obedience in the spite of the fact to him it didn't make sense, but he was going to obey. That is faith. Uh, that's the heart of it, just taking God at his word and doing what right. he says to do. And it takes some pride swallowing, too, because uh, he could draw from his years of experience uh, fishing and watching his daddy fish. And here comes Jesus. Jesus isn't a fisherman. Uh, he was probably a, a, a stone builder, carpenter kind of guy. And uh, 
So am I going to listen uh, to Jesus, even though fishing is not in his wheelhouse? Uh, well, uh, he recognized the, div the divinity of Christ and who he was, and he said, I'm just going to listen to Jesus. There's a question that uh, per it's in the personal study guide text. Uh, a great question to talk about in our groups. And the question is this, when have you seen a simple act of obedience lead to spiritual fruit? I mean, we see this with Peter, simple act of obedience, and look at the fruit, the, the, the fruit, the fish that came out of that. But in our own lives, to ponder, what, what, what have I obeyed God? And he did great things through that. Last year, I had wrapped up uh, a time of being a transitional interim pastor at a church, and I was ready for a break. And I told my wife, I think I'm just going to go go to my own church, be there for a while, and just not be a pew warmer, but I just need to take a little break. So I did, and it just I just kept sensing God to say, you know, I think you need to step back in. You just need to be ready. You need to be available. Just be available. So I finally got around to making a phone call to a local uh, mission strategist. Said, I said, hey, Tim, I just want you to know uh, if you need me, I'm here. Really, that's great. He had a call that day that he was about to have a conversation with a church that needed a transitional interim pastor. And so that's where I am now. And it's been great. And it's just, okay, it was a simple, okay, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do it. And it's been a very rich, rewarding experience for me. Now, I hope it's been for the church, but it's uh, it's really good to see how God, uh, see how he works. A few years back, I was uh, at my local church and the uh, youth minister came up to me and said, Pastor Dance uh, had to fly uh, out yesterday, uh, his mother-in-law's ill and, uh, he asked me to preach, but I'm, I'm all out. Uh, could you do it? And this is right when the music started and I wanted to make sure that I had heard him correctly, that he wanted me to preach. And I was kind of like, why don't we just worship God? You know, this is great. Let's just, let's just worship God. And I did what pastors should never do. Uh, you, you've, you've probably done this. You, seeking a word and you just flip over your Bible and it's kind of like Russian roulette land on whatever it was. And, and, and the verse that it landed on was, uh, you give them something to eat <laughs> from the uh, feeding of the 5,000. And it just struck me, uh, again, Jesus, here he is. They, there's not a long John Silvers anywhere around they weren't expecting this many people probably. And he just turns to them and says, you, you give them something to eat. And I, I think he does that not only, you know, on those big decisions, it's going to take six or seven months of our lives, but sometimes he asks for us to do little tiny things in the middle of our day. And we've just got to stop. And it's, it's a whisper. It's never loud. It's never like big uh, Jim Carrey driving down the road, seeing things, signs that say stop kind of things. It's, it's, it's really small where we have to listen and, and we're thrust in this situation. You just have to step back and say, okay, God, what's going on here? What do you want me to do? Jesus calls us to that life of trust. And as you said, Matt, that life of trust is moment by moment things. We see that in verse eight with, with Simon Peter. When Simon Peter saw this, talking about the great catch of fish, he fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. 
Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you will be catching people. Then they brought the boats to land, left everything, and followed him. I just got to wonder, just as I read that passage, they brought the boats, they left everything, and followed him. So Zebedee was left there by himself with this huge honking load of fish. <laughs> I love this passage. Uh, something uh, has happened, and uh, Peter recognizes with this great catch that he is in the presence of God. He falls at his feet and says, Lord, depart from me. I am a sinful man. Uh, it's a lot like Isaiah's response uh, when he has this vision of the temple and uh, he sees these angelic beings flying around and he hears voices saying, holy, holy, holy. And uh, he, Lord, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. It's, it's almost the same identical response. Uh, something happens when God shows up and reveals himself when we recognize who he is and, and who we are. I think it's also interesting that Jesus, his comment was, he always does this. He says, do not be afraid. Uh, from now on, from now on, you're, you're going to follow me, which is an act of faith. And it's, it's, he says this so many times in the healing of Jairus, uh, daughter, uh, in, they come in and uh, he tells them, uh, have faith, do not fear. Again, there's this kind of balancing act. It's kind of like, look, you're either going to have faith or you're going to have fear. But you can't have both of these characters in the room at the same time. So don't be afraid. Come on, let's go. And for them to embrace that faith, for Peter to do that, he had to get out of the boat. And I think that's the call for us. He says, follow me. We've got to get out of whatever boat uh, we've been dwelling in. Follow him. Matt, you, you wrote um, in the personal study guide that there are people who uh, choose, choose safety uh, over adventure. Uh, but sometimes when we take great risk, when we just, when we are willing to let down the nets and do what Jesus asked us to do, uh, you, 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 this. Let me read what you said. Um, some will talk about never risking holding tight to what they had and, and taking shortcuts. Others will tell stories of late-minute rescues, sudden epiphanies, and glorious outcomes. Uh, the stories we will tell when we are obedient and responsive to what Jesus asks us to do. Right. It reminds me of Henry V, that great speech where he's, it's the pep talk right before the battle. And he's saying, uh, one of these days you're going to sit around the fire and you are going to be able to say, I was there on that day during the battle. If you want to leave, go ahead, leave. If you're, you're afraid, go ahead. But there's going to be a day when we're going to be sitting around and really it comes to, to the idea of, okay, what story do you want to tell at the end of your life? Do you want to end your life with your 401k uh, just maxed out wonderfully? Uh, well done. Uh, your, your wealth there for your kids to squander. Uh, and, and you're there in, and you just realize that, you know, you, you, didn't, you didn't risk anything. All growth, it's been said. 
involves risk. I didn't risk. I was really safe in everything that I did in my life. And then I fell asleep and died and it was very comfortable. Or do you want to leap into eternity with great victory and with a few bruises and scrapes along the way? I think I'd want to do the latter. Well, as we're in this study for these few weeks about this adventure of faith, that's what I hope we'll all capture that sense of the adventure of the risk, but the joy, the fulfillment that comes in following Christ. But what we have to see here with this session is you want that adventure. It's going to begin by getting out of the boat. It begins with the call to follow Jesus. Hey, Matt, as we wrap this Bible study up, let's talk about live it out. Uh, this idea, what, what are we going to do with this? Of course, the call is get out of the boat. But you made, uh, you gave us three application ideas that are in, in the material. But I want to focus on one that you said. You said drop a net. We all have unnecessary, useless activities and pursuits. This week, drop something to make room for God's call. You just have to go on a college campus. I was on one a couple of days ago and I was looking on the third floor window as these new students were getting ready for school and doing all the things that they needed to get the semester started. But none of them were looking straight ahead. They were walking and they were looking at their phones. I mean, 50 kids out there, uh, those youngins, and they're out there with their smartphones. Uh, They wouldn't have seen Bigfoot or whatever it is that's right in front of them because they're so focused in on their phone. And uh, I think we have stuffed our lives with noise and activities galore. We are the most overstuffed people in the world. And uh, I was looking at some basic facts. You know, the average uh, person in America spends two hours and 52 minutes a day on social media, uh, 294 minutes a week watching television on top of that. And I think in so many ways, adventure is right out the window, but we are so fixated on useless stuff. Uh, Sometimes we've just got to realize that uh, we're stressed out and bothered because maybe we've spent too much time on the 24 hour news cycle. And when our kids and our grandkids are growing up and growing out and we are missing the glory of what this life is all about, because we are upset about something that somebody did 900 miles away from us that will never have any impact on us. So for us to be able to keep the main thing, the main thing, uh, one of the things that I I heard about this thing called a vision uh, board and just to keep me on track, I got a whiteboard up here and it just reminds me all the time that I just need to, and you know, you could have doilies and all these things, but mine's just a whiteboard. Uh, and it has things on it. Like, uh, remember Lot's wife, <laughs> just a simple, that's an easy verse to the second shortest verse in the Bible. God uses sandpaper, build slowly, but consistently, uh, settle the instrument, uh, walls. uh, I can't read that, but uh, anyway, all of these different things that I think of and in in my quiet time that keep me focused on letting go of the right thing and keep 
keeping myself focused on the right thing. And so as much as we can subtract from our lives, the more room we have for glory for God, uh, the more room we have to see God do uh, what's amazing. I love that moment in the movie Steel Magnolias when Julia Roberts says to those around in the in the beauty shop, you know, I'd I'd love to have I'd rather have uh, one minute of amazing than a whole life of nothing special. And we have an opportunity to have a whole life of nothing special or we could drop that nothing special and experience amazing. And it all begins by accepting that call to follow Jesus. That's faith. Matt, thank you for some great insights. And thank you for joining Chris and myself for this podcast. What an honor. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And thank you for those of you who are our listeners for being a part of our podcast today. We hope this has been helpful and beneficial to you. And we look forward to seeing you next week.